1: Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started.
0: Do you remember your sex education? Was it helpful to you? Was it filled with scientific information rather than real, practical advice? I'm Diggory Waite, and this is the real sex education. Every other week, I'll be joined by a guest. We'll impart our own sex wisdom ask our own sex questions, and we'll go over all the things they don't teach you in school. But in order to do this, I need an expert. A sexpert, if you will. But the only sex and relationship therapist I know is my mum. Hello, Mum.
2: Hello, Diggs.
0: In this episode... We speak to the curator of La 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 Let Me Explain about modern dating.
2: I think it's by 2035, more than half of all relationships will have started online.
0: What happened in her own life to make her start the blog.
2: I had to self-validate. I had to learn how to self-soothe. I had to learn how to break the habits.
0: And what men are doing wrong in the bedroom.
2: They'll be like, well, that's just you. Every woman I've been with has had orgasms. And it's like, yeah, but we know that if you've slept with 10 women, at least eight of them were faking.
0: Hello and welcome to the Real Sex Education. I'm Diggie Waits and I'm joined as ever by accredited sex relationship therapist Kate Campbell. Hello, Mum. Hello, Diggs. How are you today, Mum?
3: I'm good. How are you today, Diggs?
0: Ah, I'm okay. I'm Poor okay.
3: Diggs has been under the
0: knife. Under the knife? Is that what they is that how they refer to it?
3: Yes. You've had
0: an operation. What kind of operation?
3: A hernia repair. A double hernia repair.
0: What is a hernia?
3: It's when part of your body falls through a hole in another part of your body
0: falls through a hole. How does that hole appear?
3: Oh, I don't know, well there's oh, a right. gap it, yeah. it, I mean there's a weak, sometimes there's a weakness and it forces a hole, mm. or sometimes there is just a natural gap, and it shouldn't go through the gap, like I have a hernia with my brain, my brain comes through a gap into my spinal cord, mm-hmm. um so I have a hernia.
0: Is that is Chiari, which you have? Is yeah. a, that's a type of hernia?
3: That's a hernia, yeah.
0: So we're like, kind of like,
3: I must run in the family, mustn't it? It's on both uh, sides. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah. yeah, we're just weak and so. puny. We just but our that's bits all just fall out.
0: <laughs> I mean, it, but it's not. That's something that another thing that that bonds us both. You have a hernia yeah. of the brain. I have a hernia yeah. of the balls. The other end. Yeah. So I mean, that's why this is actually somewhat to do with sex. Is that I had two hernias. One was by my belly button. The other one was in my groin. And it was so big that it had gone into my scrotum, which I'm happy to say now because obviously it's not there anymore, but it slipped down. And it was the size of an egg. And, you know, those very few unlucky people that saw it, most people didn't even realise, which tells you a lot about how people don't really...
3: They don't pay attention, do they? They don't
0: pay attention, really. But those... They don't
3: scrutinise your (laughs) ballsack.
0: No. (laughs) No. let's clip that that's great um, no people don't scrutinize. so actually do you know what the big takeaway from this whole thing is scrutinise the ball sack but there you go so anyway that was removed under the knife and you said then that I bounced back which is very kind you know when I should have been feeling a lot more poorly but you said that I bounced straight back so I want you to say that again so everyone knows I'm a big brave boy <laughs> just a bit louder for the people at the back.
3: Yes, indeed. But I mean, actually, this is a good moment to say to people that you should really examine your testicles, if you have them, just Mm. hold them in your hand and sort of roll them around and run your fingers over them from time to time, just to see if there are any lumps or bumps. People always think, oh, I don't want to do that. I don't want to know if I've got cancer or something. But it doesn't have to be that. It could be your hernia falling down.
0: Like mine, yeah.
3: Exactly. So there's lots of reasons to examine your breasts and testicles, you know, apart from looking for really grim things. There are yeah. lots of other things that you can find there as well. How
0: and examining? Apparently, I, dude, correct me if I'm wrong. Examining your testicle it's quite good to do that in the shower sometimes, or after a shower because it's, it's all hot. It's all hot and
3: warm, and so, so yes, and so it's yeah. easier to. Or maybe to, a bath. Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. So it's easier, and so with that, you ju- you do just. Take a ball in your hand and, tr- and try and move your fingers around the entire yeah, circumference.
3: Let it, just weigh it in your hand first of all, mm. and just ro- sort of let it roll around your hand, and then gently, gently touch it with your fingertips.
0: Mm. And mm. if there's any irregularities or bumps and stuff that aren't mm. on both sides, because anything symmetrical you can be happy with. Because there's those like wires that sort of go around the back, which sometimes you like you feel those, and you're like, they're
3: blood vessels.
0: Usually, quite right
3: and things like that
0: and, and so you get worried about those but when you realize it's symmetrical and it's on the other side as well mm. you're sort of like fine but anything that's not then you can think uh-oh. also mm. if ever you get a checkup in the doctors anyway at least i have found you know when you've gone to a gum clinic or whatever they'll always be like if there's any reason to pop your even for this hernia thing as well like it's completely nothing to do with sex this hernia thing that I had the guy was just sort of like whilst we're here and your trousers are down I might as well just check your balls out which is great so if you ever if you ever worried that your hands aren't too doctory just go in and they'll do it for you
3: I can imagine everybody queuing up <laughs>
0: <laughs> I know, and that's to having true their, to having their, their balls wedged this is weirdly wasn't what it was supposed to, this was supposed to be but it's now become a PSA scrutinise the balls both your own and others and scrutinise the boobs both your own mm. and others um, also boobs we've talked about how to do it with boobs is a bit harder isn't it don't you have to lift, lift an arm above your, your head hold your arm up
3: and yeah. put your hands flat mm. and, then, and then do the fingertip bit but do it flat so with the flat, with flat on of your, your hand boot. first yes and yeah. your arms
0: under your arms, under your arms, and, your arms. and your then, arms, and then, that's then
3: on on your on your boobs as well, and right underneath, and lift so mm-hmm. sort of lift them up, and kind of again examine them sort of together, so you can see if there's anything different. Again, you know, if there's if, the if you suddenly notice a big difference on one side than the other, and look in the mirror if there's puckering or anything like that, mm. you know, or reddened areas, that's something to be concerned about as well. And a lot of this stuff is nothing to do with growths or anything like that. I mean, mm. obviously you can get cysts and things, but it. But you can have you can have um, infections and things mm-hmm. like that as well. Yeah,
0: yeah. Love all that. Love all that. We should probably get into today's great interview, which we've got coming up on something a bit left of. I mean, now after so what we all talked about, a bit left of field. Something we're not going to um, be
3: talking about any more about testicles, are we? Maybe. No, we're not. We're going to be talking about modern dating.
0: Yes, we are. We will be talking about modern dating, like you say, with the wonderful, qualified social worker, podcaster, and now Sunday Times best-selling author, La La La, Let Me Explain. Thank you so much for joining us, La La.
2: Yay, thank you for having me. I'm honoured.
0: Oh, thank you so much. So, just to get right into it, for people that don't know, perhaps... Who are you and what do you do?
2: Uh, Well, I go by the name of La La La, Let Me Explain on Instagram. Uh, Before that, I was a social worker. And before that, I was a sex and relationships educator for the NHS, Mm. delivering SRE education to schools and youth settings. Mm. And then I took all of my knowledge from those careers, plus my knowledge of dating lots of shit men, (laughs) put it all together and, and made an Instagram, which I attempt to help people navigate the dating scene safely
0: with and really. so w- was there a particular thing that made you decide to start the Instagram page or
2: yeah it was it was I talk about this in my book actually it was like I had a sort of series of epiphanies you know I'd done all this learning and I'd got my head around feminism and toxic masculinity and the effects of sexism and the systemic oppression of women and all, all of that you know mm. I was dealing day in day out with with sexual exploitation mm. and domestic violence and had great knowledge of attachment theory and all of those kind mm. of things but i was not applying any of my professional knowledge to my own personal life whatsoever it, i'm not sure why really but you know i was doing all this stuff for women at work and then i was coming home and begging men who were treating me with indifference and ambivalence and sometimes real nastiness to love me better mm. and to treat me better uh, you know i got to the point where i'd a, a dated who I, person that I called the fuck boy that broke the camel's back who was just like a bag of walking red flags yeah. and I got to the end of that and it, it, it was like all these things started sparking off in my head like what are you doing you should have seen that red flag you should have seen that one why didn't you see it mm. and when it all started kind of coming together in my head I was like every woman needs to know this mm-hmm. but also I need to get this out You know, I I, and this is what I started writing a blog, uh, and the blogs were almost like therapy for me, really. Mm -hmm. And, And the therapy was so cyclical, I guess, because there were so many women reading the blogs and then going, "Wow, this is me. This is what I've been doing." So, so that really helped my healing as well Mm. and it all just sort of grew from there
0: yeah and you've fostered like quite a community on there like there's there's loads of people who you've you've met through the instagram account and stuff who you have on your podcast and you and it it just feels like people really come to you for help and advice
2: yeah i i think that people trust me because of my professional Mm. background. But I think that people trust me more in this capacity than they did when I was a social worker, Mm. not only because of all the awful things and the misconceptions about social work, but in social work, I'm just telling you about you and you're not hearing anything about me. I can't share anything about... Mm. And Kate, you'll know this as well from the way that you work. It's, it's very one-sided, whereas with this, I can be vulnerable. I can say, "Look, I get it. I've been there," uh, you know. And I think people warm to that mm. because that they can see that I'm not going to judge them. They can see that I'm probably able to relate to them. So it gives them a, a, a much more rich relationship, I think.
0: And at the moment, I feel like what we want to talk to you today about is just sort of the state of dating at the moment because a lot of the questions that you get are about getting into a relationship but also what it's like when you're in a relationship like we talked we've already referenced like red flags and stuff so I just wanted to ask you some questions about that really and how where we are with modern dating because mum and I have done loads of episodes where we talk about you know having a partner but we haven't actually really talked about dating and like actually getting a partner and stuff so I guess the first thing is what I think when I think of modern dating now is dating apps. Mm. How have they changed the game?
2: Have you tried have you tried the apps?
0: Yes, extensively. <laughs> Sorry, so- <laughs> I,
2: I mean and that's the thing isn't it? There is and this is what I want people to remember is that there is hope. There yeah. is, you can have success. There's loads. Of, I think it's by 2035, more than half of all relationships will have started online. So I don't think it's something that we should necessarily be running scared from or, or freaking out about. But I think it's really important to acknowledge the reality of how much dating apps have changed the dating scene mm. and how many pitfalls there are. And, and I think probably one of the most common things that i face in my inbox is women in particular uh but men who date men also come to me with this kind of stuff which is this sense of this constant need for men to chase sex but not chase sex explicitly because that's fine if you're on the apps and you're like i'm here for a fuck Mm. you know let's meet up tonight there's nothing wrong with that mm. as long as you're doing it safely. And and when I say safely, I don't just mean using condoms. I mean not meeting up with random people and going to their house if you haven't sussed out all of the, the safety stuff. But it seems to be this drive towards what a lot of people call like finessing women into bed. Mm. so it's lots of women are are meeting men who are really saying all the right things who come across as though they want to date them who promise the world and then they're being ghosted pretty soon after sex or if they're not ghosted after sex things certainly fizzle out uh, you know they're not messaging every day like they were and then it things develop into a situationship rather Mm. than the relationship that the person was expecting so you're seeing each other but you haven't had that conversation of what are we and perhaps you don't want to have that conversation because you know that that may scare the other person off because they'll be thinking you're too keen or you want too much so you're then you're left in this state of like well i'm seeing you regularly you're the person that i call you call me often drunken nights out Mm. you know you text me happy valentine's day but i don't know where this is going or how you see me or whether you're sleeping with other people. So you're stuck in this sort of purgatory, really.
0: And do you think that's like, and the apps have led to a bit more of that as well?
2: I don't know, just know if it's the apps. I think it's a combination of so many things. I'm not anti-sexual liberation for women whatsoever. I'm incredibly positive about it. Mm. And I think it's needed and necessary. But sexual liberation really actually was designed to liberate women from being sex slaves for men, Mm. actually. It was to empower women to have sex for ourselves and to be able to do things like Me Too and to speak out about how much sex we were having was not the sex we wanted was was rape or sexual assault mm. or whatever but sexual liberation also came alongside contraception becoming more widely available and so women really were liberated we weren't held back by the worries of pregnancy and you know abortion became legal in many places and again that's incredibly liberating for many reasons but sexual liberation for women wasn't backed up with education for men so while we were out there going yeah we can fuck now those of us who have sex with men weren't necessarily then getting the greatest experiences because A, we're still not frequently having sex that serves us, but also it's then sort of done this thing with misogynistic men and fuckboys, which is that where they used to have to be in a relationship with a woman to have regular sex Mm. and sexual liberation meant that actually far more women were up for having casual sex. So for a lot of men who don't realize that they need, that their emotional needs met just as much as women do, it was a bit like, whoa, Mm. people are willing to fuck. And actually now I can meet them really easily on Tinder. So I, I don't know if I'm sort of accurately phrasing this in the way that, yes, I think sexual liberation is wonderful. Yes, I think women should be able to fuck whenever they want. But also I don't think a lot of women who are out there having casual sex were a intending for it to actually be as casual as what it was Mm. and b are actually even getting any kind of orgasms or even any pleasure out of it Mm. and so i think that dating apps have just facilitated a kind of scene for all this to happen really easily
1: Mm.
2: but i think women are losing out Mm. And I think that they so so I think that situationships are often not always because men can be the ones going what are we to Mm. but I think often situationships are women who have gone down that route and started sleeping with somebody because actually they want the emotional connection they want the love but in order to meet the bar for what everyone else is doing that they had to give this guy sex and then you're sort of trapped in this ambiguous Mm. shitty situation yeah and it's particularly difficult I think for people who have a,
3: you know feelings about being in relationships in the first place they're worried about being good enough and they're the very people that seem to go and feel more empowered by having sex with a lot of different men but at the same time are then really really worried because the relationship doesn't progress i mean it's a situation ship, it never develops into a relationship mm. and then they think what's wrong with me and you, you know that the, they don't think well the context was this isn't going to be a relationship mm. why did you think it would progress Mm. but they do and then they go into therapy
2: thinking there's something really really badly wrong with me is this is awful so is that something you see more yeah Yeah. very much so that's interesting isn't it Mm. yeah and Mm. I I think sometimes what we do and I've certainly done this myself is is thought you know I'm not really that into this guy I've just broken up someone else I I really just want a bit of attention maybe Mm. go on a date if we end up sleeping together then cool but, you know, we're not really a match, so I'm not going to fall for him. That's not what I want. And then what I find, and certainly a lot of women that I know find, again, you can't say all, but a lot, mm. is is that after being intimate with them a few times, two, three, four days, you start to go, oh, no, actually, I want more. Mm. Even if actually the reason that you want more is not because actually you think this person is wonderful and you've got loads in common with them and you actually really enjoy spending time with them. You want more because it's validating to be wanted Mm -hmm. and them not wanting more becomes... you know, an indicator of your self-worth mm-hmm. or that's how, we, you know, that's how we start to perceive it. So then again, it really leads to a bash to your self-esteem. And then of course, when you your self-esteem is bashed, then you, you want to be in it more. You're less empowered to say, no, fuck this. He's, you know, we don't, he's, he's an idiot anyway. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know why? I don't even want a relationship with this guy. So it can really, then you get trapped in that cycle of like low self-esteem, And it gets even lower every time you see this person, they don't call you the next day or whatever, you know, and it's it's just messy. And there's loads of pressure
3: as well. I mean, in in terms of being sexual together, it it feels like there's a lot of pretense going on when a relationship isn't a relationship and and people get into bad habits. Mm. So then if it does become a relationship, you've got to undo what you did. You know, like if you're trying, uh, so many women trying to please the guy, have loads of response pressure. So it doesn't really matter how great they are as a lover. In lots of ways, the woman is so nervous that she's not going to come. So mm. so she pretends, she fakes mm. it. And then the guy thinks, this is how to do it. And it's not anymore. And I mean, we talk about this all the time because it's such a big thing now. Mm. And they still don't know after years together that by then, the guy still doesn't know what turns
2: on the woman. Mm. I get This so often in my DMs Mm. is this question of, I'm with a really lovely man. And I really like him and I really don't want to hurt his feelings. But we've been together six years and I've never had an orgasm. But he thinks Mm. I've had one every time. How the fuck do I deliver this information to him without crushing his entire world and making him think, well, what else have you lied about? You know, Mm. Um, Mm. and it's incorrect. I mean, what do you advise people in that situation? Start talking about wanting something new.
3: So, so let's try something different. I just really, I really want to try something different, and then say, "Oh, I like that. They're even better than what we were doing before. Let's do more of that." But I mean, if they come into sex therapy, it's not a problem because they sort of go back to the beginning and start all over again, anyway. But if they're just, you know, if it's just a kind of one-off, and they
2: it's just an inquiry, then but you would, you would, would you, would you recommend not telling the truth or not being one hundred percent honest about the fact that? You've never actually come with them. Would you say that you need to skirt over that a little bit to protect a relationship? It depends on the relationship,
3: doesn't it?
2: Mm. Uh, um, Because
3: for some people it would be absolutely devastated. Mm. So it's really difficult to know because everybody talks so much about honesty, but sometimes it it doesn't actually pay. Mm. And it's really, really difficult. Nobody talks about I mean, when people started to talk about women having an entitlement to great sex, then a different kind of problem was created because then men wanted to see that their women were having a great time and felt diminished if they weren't. So then you've got response pressure, which I guess is what we're talking about, and mm. where they're thinking, oh, my God, I've got to please him. Mm. But actually, this isn't doing it for me. Yeah. Um, yeah. I- and women seem to take the responsibility either way.
1: Yeah. Oh, well, anyway. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Mm. And, and and I think porn has so much to answer for in this mm. because we learn and and actually even just mainstream films, you know, mm. I've never seen a sex scene in a movie where a woman doesn't come from penetration, yeah. uh, and where she's not, you know. Panting and screaming loudly within seconds of a penis entering her, you know, I never felt that magic when when a dick entered me ever. But I thought, Mm. well, that means there's something wrong with me, so I Mm. have to pretend that it feels wonderful because you know, otherwise, I'm not keeping up with the Joneses. I'm I'm not pleasing him like every other woman is, and you're right. It it becomes this whole thing of giving him the responses that he wants, then we become so focused on ourselves. You know, a lot of sex that women are having is just completely unpleasurable because not only mm. are we fake moaning, but we're also the entire time thinking, what do my tits look like? What does my bum look like in this position? Is he satisfied by this? Is everything okay with him? You know, all the while mm. he's scratching at our urethra uh, and, and, and <laughs> fuck all is happening, you know, and we're not articulating mm. that so worried that we're bad in bed but not even noticing that actually you're really bad in bed you haven't even Mm. gone anywhere near my clitoris you haven't bothered to you know so I think there's so much still now that we need to go right back to the beginning as you said you know like i've and this really should start with sex education in schools girls Mm. and boys need to be taught that that this is about pleasure for both parties and that that's not going to happen if we're completely self-conscious not only about the sex side of stuff as I described, but also the situationship stuff of Mm. where do I stand in this? Have I got to put on this performance and be the best in bed and give him anal even though I don't want to because that will eventually lead to him saying, yeah, you can be my girlfriend, you know? It's all Mm. so sort of tied up in all of, it all comes together in the same box really.
0: Mm. But one of the things we talk about, which I always find it's really difficult for me to get my head around is feeling empowered enough to be like, actually take control of your own pleasure because i think again it makes a lot of sense like when you're dating someone and when you're having sex with them you want them to be having a good time that's basically what Mm -hmm. we're talking about and it makes sense that 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 should be your priority is if as long as they're happy then i'm happy and they will feel the same way but it how often, because it's never really discussed or talked about, that actually ends up with both parties being like, thinking they're doing something a favour for the other person, but both of them aren't actually getting what they want. Mm. So there's this weird thing where actually, you need to start taking care of your own pleasure. Now obviously the massive caveat there is you need to do that consensually and safely and all that sort of stuff. But when you're doing these things, like what actually feels nice for me and how do I communicate that with my partner? But that is the hardest thing to do. So when they're scratching around at your urethra, like you say, how do you say, hey, in a, in a nice way, how do you be like, hey, do you mind, you know, try this instead? Like, how do you do that?
2: Yeah, yeah. But, but I, mean, I think it, it's so much more even, we need to go back, far more basic than that and uh, mm. really educate men mainly, men and boys, that penis in vagina is is not what's going to work for most women. But the problem mm. that I find, and, and I've done lots of story threads about this and get such a big reaction from women, um, is that men don't like that. And men don't want to hear it. Or a lot mm. of men, not all men, a lot of times when you say, just letting you know, like 75% of women... They need clitoral Mm. stimulation. A penis is is doing very little. They'll be like, well, that's just you. You can't speak for all women. Mm. You know, I've never had any complaints before. Every woman I've been with has had orgasms. And it's like, yeah, but we know that if you've slept with 10 women, at least eight of them were faking most of the Mm. time.
1: Mm.
2: They don't want to hear it. And then it becomes this really difficult conversation where actually if you like this person and you want to have a relationship with this person, then it instantly becomes this defensive and you become this annoying feminist who's trying to speak for all women because you've got a shit vagina. I can sit there and say on my stories until I'm blue in the face, be honest, be open, communicate in a non-confrontational manner. Mm. But actually the reality of those conversations is, is not always as it should be. It's not always men being receptive to go, oh shit, okay, let's try this. What works for you? It's very mm. often, well, Yeah. It's worked for me before. But the thing that I find that women are extremely confused about, or a lot of women, is that if they haven't squirted, they don't believe they've come. So I get a lot of messages from women who say, I get a nice feeling, I get a tingle, I get throbbing or whatever, but I've never come. I've never had an orgasm because there was no no liquid and I'm like well you know we're so lacking in sex education mm-hmm. you know these grown women who, who, who say these things to me you know and I didn't learn half this stuff until I was sorry my oh my dog's barking in the background is no, that no, no, not, yeah, that'd, no that'd be fine that'd <laughs> be fine
0: yeah this what, it just wants to get involved in the conversation yeah she's, she's
2: a female she's never come yeah. Oh. <laughs> yeah yeah
0: yeah another one yeah and again do you reckon there's porn has a lot to answer Everything. for there as well I yeah. Get. Yeah, yeah yeah, it's interesting
2: because it, it, it I, I was uh, reading an interview with this couple uh, and it was about rough sex and strangulation in bed mm. and it was this really interesting point exactly as you sort of noted there which was that um, they ended up they'd been together for years and he'd been uh, choking her consensually during sex and then one day after many years together they had this conversation where he was like what do you like about that you know it's a kind of strange thing to do whatever and um she said I don't like it I only do it because I thought you liked it and he was like I hate Mm. it I only did it because I thought you liked it you know I think this Mm -hmm. is happening in bedrooms up and down the land and it's such a strange concept that you would allow somebody inside your body who you're not confident to be able to have a conversation with you know, and did
0: he do that because of what he saw on porn? Yeah,
2: people mm. watch porn as a like s- sex manual. A lot mm. of people, and 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 it's it's really. I mean, I'm forty, so. I the porn that we were exposed to when when we were teenagers it was very minimal. We'd watch Eurotrash, um, yeah, and yeah. you know you'd see these top shelf magazines, and you might, if someone's parents were really lax, you know, go to someone's house after school and they'd whip the dad's VHS out, you know, yeah, and it would be women yeah. with huge bushes, and it was very very different. And and now yeah. you know the porn that they're exposed to, these are the things that to get. Into their sexual psyche, and all of them involve the degradation of women, all of them, in one way or another, Mm. and no pleasure. It is just about fuck as hard as you can, whether she wants it or not. And that is seeping out into our wider consciousness, you know. And and this is what women in the main often are experiencing in bed, and not just young women, you know. I get a lot of women who are in their 50s who have gone onto dating apps after divorce and who are just shocked by how. How much the landscape has changed by why why mm. men are putting their hands around their throats during first time sex, why they're having their hair pulled or they're being spat at, you know things they never experienced when they were dating in the nineties or eighties or whatever. Mm. Um, it's yeah, porn porn has fucked us all.
0: <laughs> yeah, literally, it's quite mm. literally. Yeah, yeah.
3: But if you look in if you look in magazines and things like that, you know, and, and, and to a certain extent on podcasts and social media and everything, you you're get you're getting talk about how to make someone scream, how to have the best orgasm ever, not just an ordinary one. It's got to be amazing. And there's nothing about tenderness or about touch in general and about how lovely touch can be, how lovely gazing can be, how lovely it can be just to lie together naked, all of the things that, you know, when people discover them, they say, oh, my goodness, I had no idea this existed because they go straight for the genitals
2: and... Um, and there isn't anything else. And it's just, and that's very sad. It is sad. And there's so many, again, I remember I I did a thread where we were talking about what are your favourite things and and people were talking about just being stroked and tickled Mm. and having their hair played with and their back rubbed and all of those things and and how that is actually part of making love. And so many people Mm. sort of responded like, this is what I like. I don't want doggy style, you know, Mm. flipping off the chandeliers. This is what, I I would be totally satisfied if this is what my entire sex life comprised of, but I feel kind of Pathetic. you feel a bit sort of Mills and Boone in in trying to deliver that information of like well actually Mm. stroke me with a feather or or whatever and again Mm. it goes back down to communication doesn't it and really feeling empowered to go this is what I like Mm. there's no shame in anything that I like this is what gets me off and only sleeping with people who you can feel really safe to communicate that shit with why we're not doing that. But people don't know what they like because they they haven't tried
3: anything really apart from what they've seen in the porn and you know sometimes when people come in into sex therapy you give them a really simple exercise like touching one another's hands or something or just stroking a shoulder or something something clothed you know not even and there's usually a sex ban in place when they do this so there's no pressure they're just supposed to be exploring a little bit stroking someone's face gazing into their eyes something like that they do that for a little while it's so hot so many of them break the ban yeah Mm -hmm.
1: It's. Yeah. I shouldn't
3: admit that because I don't want my clients doing that all the time. <laughs> but honestly, I mean, and, and it, there's, and it's not sexual. I mean, stroking a finger you wouldn't think would be incredibly sexual, but it is. Mm. Given the right context, given the amount of time, given the concentration and the focus, and instead of being in your head thinking. Is my partner liking this? Am I doing this right? Is it okay? Am I responding in the right way? Do I look okay? Is my bum big? Just as you said, instead of all of that, they're
2: just focusing on one another. Totally different experience. Yeah. And I, do you know, I think celibacy really helped for me as well. I know you said about the sex bands with your people that you're working with. And and actually, I think that that's uh, can really work for single people as well. For me, I went completely celibate for about 18 months. Um, And that really changed everything for me. It really improved the quality of sex that I was having, but also made me choose the people that I was dating much more carefully. Mm -hmm. And that was in line with the spirituality stuff where it was a bit sort of my body is a temple. You Mm -hmm. know, it's kind of fresh now and and (laughs) nobody else can enter it unless they're really fucking great. You know, it really helped Mm me feel much more valuable, you know. And then when I felt more valuable, I expected better sex i i expect it to be cared for and that is exactly
3: what we would focus on in sex therapy so that when when digs was talking about people having you're taking responsibility for their sexual experience that it's that it's checking in with yourself and knowing what you need for yourself and 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 are you treating yourself with respect because if you're not how do you expect anyone else to treat you
0: absolutely Um,
3: it's so it's so important it's so Mm.
0: difficult though i mean I think so many people, and this is me included, I think when I'm really honest with myself, a lot I've, I've thought to myself, right, you know, celibacy is probably like what what's needed right now. And yet there's so, I just, you just, it just crawls <laughs> back into your head. It just, you, you just, it's, it's, you're just like, I need someone else to think I'm fit. You know, I need mm. someone else to think, to like, like me. I, it's, it's really interesting because I, I actually think that takes a lot of willpower which i know sounds mad because it's obviously like well other people have to have sex to text you but do you know what i mean I feel, I feel like it takes a lot of willpower to be celibate for 18 months
2: i was sort of open and willing i, I never put celibacy in a thing of like if i met the perfect person yeah right now i, I would talk to them you know and i'd, mm. I'd see what was going on but i, I was so reliant on external Validation. I was mm. so reliant on my self esteem coming from what these random fucking men thought of me, mm. and when I had said to myself in my head, "No, I just, I just don't want any, I don't want any of them anywhere near me," mm. for for a little while now, I knew then that I had to get my self-esteem, I had to self-validate, I had to learn Mm. how to self-soothe, I had to learn how to break the habits. And so it was just to force myself into that. And then I quickly learned. And again, that was when I started the page. Mm. So I guess that maybe I was also getting validation Mm. from other people. I was getting validation from other women. I was getting people then saying to me, God, I really relate. This is brilliant. You know, so... I guess it wasn't all self-validation. It was, mm. I was in a kind of unique position because then I was also, you know, getting it from other people. But it, it was, I recommend it to anyone who sort of feels like they're in a bit of a mess mm. and they need to just stop and and have a detox, basically. And it's what it feels like, a kind of detox.
0: Yeah.
3: Because yeah. so many people use sex as, as sort of mood regulator. Mm. And again, it's something that's been encouraged because, because orgasms kind of reset you. And so you can see how people would keep going back to that because you can do that and then your anxiety can disappear. But I wasn't having orgasms. No, 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 no. no. You know. Yeah, yeah. No, no. but, but a lot of people do. do. I mean, so, so you were using it for validation. Some people are using orgasm as mood regulator and it's just, and, and, and and it, that accounts for a lot of porn use as well, mm. um, because it's because then it's not the orgasm; it's the click and load, click and load, click and load dopamine that they're looking for, mm. rather than the than the the oxytocin at the end. So it's so, so. In fact, they don't want to come; they want the opposite. They want to keep clicking and loading, mm. um, and it's just it's just what so many people do at the moment. And you think, well, how how do you learn? Some somebody's got to teach you at some point how to manage your mood, rather than you. At eight years old, finding, oh, here's a way. Mm. Which is what's happening a lot more now. Yeah.
0: Exactly. Right. I'm conscious of time. Um, So let's end on this. Tell us about your book because I think… Sunday Times bestseller. Now we're talking. (laughs) Yeah. 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 Tell us about the book.
2: Um, Actually, the the book actually goes into quite a lot of the stuff that we've spoken about. Mm. It's really what I wish I'd read before I jumped into the world of dating Mm. after having had my son the the landscape had changed massively i'd been in a long-term relationship since my early 20s became a single mother and then i was launched into this completely different world like Mm. apps had been born so not only was i a single parent but everything had changed and i made every mistake that you could possibly make i got into situationships without realizing Mm. i got ghosted i got catfished you know every pitfall and red flag I I jumped into everything in the wrong way Um, and this book really is everything that I wish somebody had told me before I did that and then yeah hopefully it's encouraging people I, I want the book to make people feel like there is hope some men are bloody brilliant just because you've met 50 on the apps who are complete pieces of shit doesn't mean that's all that's out there but you are going to be much less likely to get attached to the pieces of shit if you go into it with all of this knowledge so i mean people are still going to date pieces of shit after reading the book i'm sure of it but hopefully they will feel a bit more empowered and a bit stronger and a a, a bit better equipped to deal with
0: it all Mm, exactly well i feel like after listening to this hopefully people will as well lala thank you so much again for joining us
2: Oh, thank you so much for having me. You're both fantastic. Oh, thank you so oh, much.
0: Honestly. You too. <laughs> You've been listening to The Real Sex Education, which is hosted by Diggory Waite and Kate Campbell. The show is produced by Diggory Waite, and the executive producer is Claire Broughton. The Real Sex Education is a hat trick podcast. This podcast is based on the real-life relationship between Diggory Waite and his mother, accredited sex therapist Kate Campbell. The show is therefore inspired by, but otherwise unrelated to, the TV show Sex Education. But yes, Diggory does wish his mother was played by Gillian Anderson. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen